the Oakdale Christian Centre podcast. During the summer months, members of our church volunteer to lead the Thursday night Bible studies. This week, Ken leads a study into Matthew chapter 1. Yeah, we ate um, genealogies, you know, going through them and that, and if we start with um, the genealogies, we soon put it down, you know. But um, Matthew, um, uh, it was writing about fulfilment, you know, um, fulfilling um, the coming of Jesus Christ. And I got a few... um, Messianic um, prophecies and fulfilments here, and you read them. And Matthew have um, written most of them <coughs> in his yeah. book, yeah. like um, in Micah, uh, the Messiah was to be born in Bethlehem. Mm-hmm. In Isaiah, the Messiah was to be born a virgin, which we read in Matthew one, you know. Yeah. And Deuteronomy, the Messiah was to be uh, a prophet like Moses. And there's many more like that, and um, Matthew uh, wrote most of the fulfillments down in his um, book, in Matthew chapter 1, the genealogies, the genealogies which open the Gospel of Matthew and the New Testament in in many respects, the most important document in the scripture. The entire Bible rests on the accuracy you will notice it has three divisions. The genealogy from Abraham to David, verses 1 to 6. The genealogy from Solomon to the Babylonian captivity, verses 7 to 11. And the genealogy from the Babylonian captivity to Joseph, the carpenter, that is from verse 12 to 17. I started studying um, on Matthew. I read um, the Bible throughout this year, and they thought um, I start studying. You know, and I started from Matthew, and um, this is my study of it. Uh, in the study study of Genesis, we note that the fact is a book about families, and the gene- genealogies are very important. And we see them here as we start the New Testament. We must now confess that at first all these names that we read and have a job to pronounce looks very boring. You give someone a New Testament and they begin here in the Gospel of Matthew with a genealogy, stare them in the face, and they are not going to get very far in it. The average person should start with either Mark or John rather than the Gospel of Matthew, but that doesn't lessen the importance of the genealogy. The New Testament rests upon the accuracy of this genealogy because it established the fact that the Lord Jesus Christ is a genealogy of Abraham and the line of David. Both are very important. The line of David puts him on the throne. He, He's in the royal line, he's the king. 
The genealogy were very important to the nation of Israel. And Matthew was talking um, to the Jewish people. And through them, it could be established whether a person had a legitimate claim to a particular line. For example, when Israel returned from the captivity, we find in the book of Ezra, they sought their register among those that were written by genealogy, but they were not found. Therefore, those who polluted, they, they were put from the priesthood. Anyone got Ezra 2.62? These uh, searched for their family records, but they could not find them. So they were excluded from the priesthood as unclean. Yeah, it was impossible in Ezra's days to check. It was impossible, I should say, in Ezra's days to check the register of the tribe of Levi and remove those who made a false claim. This ge genealogy was obviously on display and could have been copied from the public records until the temple was destroyed in AD 70. The enemies of Jesus could have checked them and probably did. Yeah. This is interesting and important because they challenged every move of the Lord Jesus, even offering a substitute ex explanation <coughs> for the resurrection. But they never did question his genealogy. The reason must be that they checked it out and found it was accurate. This is most important because it puts Jesus in a unique position. You remember that he said, the shepherd of the sheep enters in by the door, but the thief and the robber climbs up some other way to get into the sheepfold. That fold is the nation of Israel. He didn't climb into the fold over a fence or in the back, or he didn't come through the alleyway. He came through the gate. He was born in the line of David and in the line of Abraham. This is what Matthew is putting before us. He is the fulfillment of everything that had been mentioned in the Old Testament. So the enemies of Christ never could challenge him regarding his genealogy. They had to find some other ways to challenge him. And of course they did. Since the Spirit of God has used so much printing ink to give them to us, there must be some importance in them for us. This is the genealogy of the Lord Jesus on Joseph's side. We have another when we look into Luke, and that will be on Mary's side. More than any disciples, Matthew had a clear idea of how much it would cost to follow Jesus. Yet he did not hesitate for a moment. When he left his task collector's booth, mm -hmm. he guaranteed himself an employment. Yeah. Who would take him on if this did not work? Mm -hmm. Several of the other disciples could always um, return to fishing. Mm -hmm. But for Matthew, there was no returning back. Mm -hmm. Two changes happened to Matthew when he decided to follow Jesus. Jesus gave him a new life. He not only belonged to a new group, he belonged to the Son of God. He was not accepting a different way of life. He was now accepting 
he was now accepted as a person for a despised tax collector that change must have been wonderful. Just think of that when you first become a Christian. We are accepted by a great believing family of brothers and sisters in Christ wherever we go. Jesus gave Martha a new purpose for his skills. When he followed Jesus, the only tool from his last job that he carried with him was his pen. From the beginning, God had made him a record keeper. Jesus called him eventually, allowing him to put his skills to their finest work. Matthew was a keen observer and he undoubtedly recorded what he saw going on around him. Matthew's experience points out that every person from the beginning is one of God's works in progress. So my friends, God's work in progress. <laughs> Much of what God has for us, he gives long before we can consciously respond to him. He trusts us with skills and abilities and head of schedule. He has made each of us capable of being his servant. When we trust him with what he has given us, we begin a life of real adventure. What a God we serve. Praise the Lord. Matthew couldn't have known that um, God would use the very skills he had sharpened as a tax collector to record the greatest story ever lived. And God has no less meaningful in purpose for each one of us. Have you recognised Jesus saying to you, follow me? Praise the Lord. Have anybody got Matthew 9-9? As Jesus went on from there, he saw a man named Matthew sitting at the tax collector's booth. Follow me, he told him. And Matthew got up and followed him. Yes, Matthew had the opportunity when Jesus said, follow him. Matthew took up that opportunity and followed him. And he didn't look back. Beginning his book by presenting his records of ancestors was the best way Matthew could interest a Jewish audience. Because a Jewish, Jewish person, family and line proved his or her standing as one of God's chosen people. Matthew began by showing that Jesus was a descendant of David, fulfilling Old Testament prophecies about the Messiah's line. The fact of their ancestry was carefully preserved. Matthew used this and many other proofs to show that Jesus is the true Messiah. In the first 17 verses, we meet 46 people whose lifetime spans 200 years, 2,000 years, sorry. <laughs> All were of Jesus, but they varied considerably in personality, spiritual maturity, and experience. Some were heroes of the faith, like Abraham, Isaac, Ruth, and David. Some came from outside Israel or other shady repetitions like Rahab and Tamar and Ruth. Many were very ordinary, 
like Ezron and Ram and Nashon and Hakan. Others were evil, like Manasseh and Habajah. Question, why do we want to know this? Human failure or sins cannot limit or block God's work in history. However good you are or have a shady repetition, he works through both remarkable and ordinary people. Just as God chooses all kinds of people to be part of the lineage of Jesus, he uses all kinds today to accomplish his will. In the present and in the future, he accomplishes his will. And God wants to you you God wants us what God uses us um, for this reason also. Matthew's main purpose to show how you can be part of God's kingdom is by following Jesus. Matthew's conclusion of four particular women, Tamar, Rehab, Ruth and Bathsheba, reveals his concern to do more than relay historical data. These women might have raised both epic and ethical questions for Matthew's readers, the Jewish people. They didn't involve women, did they? All four of them were most likely not Israelites by birth, and all might seem scandalous to mention in the ancestral tree of the Messiah. Tamar acted as a prostitute to scam her father-in-law, Judah, but she was declared righteous for her actions by Judah, while showing greater fulfilment to the family than he had. Rahab was a prostitute and a, a foreigner, but she helped deliver the city of Jericho into the hands of the Israelites and had faith in God. In Ruth, Ruth was from Moab, an enemy tribe of Israel, but she faithfully took care of her mother-in-law, Naomi, and was praised for being better than seven sons. King David committed adultery with Bathsheba, yet she became the mother of Solomon, the wisest king of Israel. This was a colourful line into which God's son was born. Matthew's genealogy of Jesus lists the good, the bad and the ugly, and it intentionally does not leave out people who seem questionable. The point Matthew is trying to make is that God sent his son as the saviour of all people, Jews, Gentiles, men and women, no matter who people are or where they come from, God's plan of salvation is offered to all people. Praise the Lord. <coughs> we read in Luke 3.15 that people were waiting expectantly and were wondering in their hearts if John might possibly be the Messiah. More than 400 years had passed since the last Old Testament prophecies. Faithful Jews all over the world were still waiting for the Messiah. Yes, Matthew wrote this book to Jewish Christians to present Jesus both as King and Messiah, a promised descendant of David who would reign forever. Isaiah 11, 1-5.
A shoot will come up from the stump of Jesse. From his roots a branch will bear fruit. And the Spirit of the Lord will rest on him, the Spirit of wisdom and of understanding, the Spirit of counsel and of power, the Spirit of knowledge and of fear of the Lord. And he will delight in fear of the Lord. He will not judge by what he sees with his eyes, or decide by what he hears with his ears. With righteousness he will judge the needy, with justice he will give decisions for the poor and the earth. He will strike the earth with the rod of his mouth, with the breath of his lips. He will sling the wicked. Righteousness will be his belt, and faithfulness the sash around his wings. Yeah, a root would come out of the line of David, and this would be the Messiah. The Gospel of Matthew links the Old and the New Testament and contains many references that show that Jesus fulfilled Old Testament prophecy. In verse 16, because Mary was a virgin when she became pregnant, Matthew lists Joseph only as the husband of Mary, not the father, but just the husband. Matthew's genealogy gives Jesus legal or royal lineage through Joseph. Mary's ancestral line is recorded in Luke 3.23-38. Both Mary and Joseph were direct descendants of David. Now Matthew traced the genealogy back to Abraham, while Luke traced it back to Adam. Matthew wrote primarily to the Jewish audience, so Jesus was shown as a descendant of their ancestor Abraham. Luke wrote primarily to Gentiles, so he emphasised Jesus as the saviour of all people. Matthew breaks Israel's history into three sets of 14 generations, but there were probably more generations than those listed here. Genealogies often compress history, meaning that not every generation or ancestor was especially listed. That's the phrase, the phrase, the father of Cam also can be translated the ancestor of. Praise the Lord. Then we jump to the virgin birth, you know, um, verse 18. These are the facts concerning the birth of Jesus Christ. Matthew's, Matthew is acknowledging that Jesus, the Christ, the anointed one, the true Messiah. It continues his mother Mary was engaged to be married to Joseph. There were three steps in a Jewish marriage. A couple became engaged with their two families agreed to the union. When a public announcement was made, the couple became uh, betrothed. Betrothal called engagement in the text was considered binding and could be broken only by death or divorce. No sexual relationship was allowed, however, until after the couple was married. Continuing in verse 18, it said that while she was still a virgin, she became pregnant by the Holy Spirit. Why is the virgin birth important to the Christian faith? Jesus Christ, God's Son, had to be free from the sinful nature 
passed passed on to all other human beings from Adam because he was born of a woman. He was a human being, but because he was a son of God, he was born without any trace of human sin. He was both fully human and fully divine. Hebrews 2, 14 to 18. <laughs> For as much then as the children are partakers of flesh and blood, he also himself likewise took part of the same, that through death he might be destroyed him that had the power of death, that is the devil, and deliver them who through fear of death were all their lifetime subject to bondage. For verily he took not on him the nature of angels, but he took on him the seed of Abraham. Wherefore in all things it behoved him to be made like unto the brethren, that he might be merciful and faithful high priest in all things pertaining to God, to make reconciliation for the sins of his people. For in that he himself hath suffered being tempted, he is able to secure them that are tempted. Yeah, since we are God's children, our human beings made of flesh and blood, Jesus had to be human so he could die, so he could overcome the same temptations we face, and so he could met, uh, meditate, mediate between God and human and beings. He identified with us so that we could identify with God. Hebrews 3.1 Therefore, holy brothers, who share in the heavenly calling, calling, fix your thoughts on Jesus, the apostle and the high priest, who we confess. Yeah, this verse was especially meaningful to the Jewish Christians. For Jews, the highest human authority was the high priest. I have a personal profile of Joseph, yeah, and um, it's interesting. Um, the strength of what we believe is measured by how much we are willing to suffer for our belief. Joseph went through it with Mary, didn't he? Joseph was a man with strong beliefs. He was prepared to do what was right, despite the pain he knew it, it would um, cause to someone he loved and to himself. But Joseph had another great quality. He not only tried to do what was right, but also tried to do it in the right way. When Joseph found out about Mary's pregnancy, he knew the child was not his. His respect for Mary's character and his sincere explanation, as well as her attitude towards the expected child, must have made it hard to think his bride had done something wrong. Still, someone else was the child's father, and it was mind-boggling to accept that the someone else was God. Joseph decided he had to break the engagement, but he was determined to do it in the way that would not cause many public shame. He intended to act with justice and love. At this point, God sent a messenger to Joseph to explain that the child inside Mary had been, con had been conceived by the Holy Spirit and to open another way of obedience for Joseph to take Mary as his wife. Joseph obeyed God. 
and married Mary and honoured her virginity until after the baby was born. Joseph's role as guardian of God's son and of Mary is clearly seen in his response to the dream in which the angels of the Lord instructed him to flee to Egypt. Joseph immediately obeyed, leading his family to Egypt to escape from Herod and later return to settle in Nazareth. Instead of going back to Bethlehem, so we do not know how long Joseph lived or much about his role as Jesus' earthly father. He is last mentioned when Jesus was 12 years old, but Joseph taught his son the trades of carpentry, made sure he had a good spiritual training in Nazareth, and took the whole family on the yearly trip to Jerusalem for the Passover, which Jesus continued to assume during his adult life. Joseph knew Jesus was someone special from the moment he heard the angel's words. His strong belief in that fact and his willingness to follow God's leading empowered him to be Jesus' chosen earthly father. Joseph's, Joseph's strengths and accomplishments. He was a man of integrity. Jesus legal and earthly father. A person sensitive to God's guidance and willing to do God's will, regardless of the consequences. Uh, notable facts, he descended of King David, the target of free directing dreams from God, lessons from his life. God honours integrity. Social decision is of little importance when God chooses to use us. Being obedient to the guidance we have from God leads to more guidance from him. Feelings are not accurate. Measures of the rightness or wrongness of any actions. We have a message from Jesus here and an encounter with two men on the road to Emmaus, Luke 24, verses 25 to 27. And he said to them, O foolish ones, and slow of heart to believe in all that the prophets have spoken. Ought not the Christ to have suffered these things, and to enter into his glory? And, be, and beginning at Moses and all the prophets, he expounded them in all the scriptures at the things concerning himself. Yes, let's not be foolish. Jesus said to them, how foolish you are, and how slow to believe all that the prophets have spoken. He gives us a question. Did not the Messiah have to suffer these things and then enter his glory and begin with Moses? And all the prophets, he explained to them what was said and in all the scriptures concerning himself. In verse 31, these two men had their eyes open to really know who he was. And he sat down at the table with them and he broke bread. Their eyes were open. But when they went back to these disciples, it says in Mark 16, 13 to 14, tell us that when they returned, uh, uh, but when they returned to tell the disciples, they disbelieved them. 
He rebuked them for their lack of faith and their stubborn refusal to believe those who had seen him after he had risen. Yes, we ask Jesus to forgive our lack of faith and unbelief and stubbornness. Could we be like the disciples and um, disbelieve the word of God, you know? And Matthew reminds us, this is he that the scriptures talk about. Trust and believe in him. The Apostle Paul says in uh, Philippians 3.10, Oh, that I might know him. That is the Lord Jesus Christ and the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of his suffering being made comfortable unto his death. There is no way for improvement in this life apart from the knowledge of God, knowing Jesus. The way to do this is to study his word. We can't live on bread alone, but by every word that comes from God's mouth. Thank God for his word. Hallelujah. We hope you've enjoyed this episode. To find out more about our church, including our service times, visit www.oakdalechristiancentre.org.